0: 16. 16. Featuring Featuring Travis Allen. Allen. Let's go (sighs) in. Height Zone World. My guest this week is Travis Allen. One of my best pals in this life. And a real interesting guy. He's not someone that's in this music game in the sense that He's got an act, or an album, or anything like that. He's a behind-the-scenes type of dude, and he's played a big role in Height with Friends. He played most of the instruments on the album Bed of Seeds, and he's played a big role in P.T. Burnham's music as well, and I was real glad to talk to him. As always, this episode is sponsored by The Lineup Room recording and mixing studio located in Baltimore, Maryland. Check out lineuproom.com to see what's going down. Mike Riley is continuing to knock it out of the park with the covers for these podcasts. Hopefully you've been checking them out. Check out MikeRileyComics.com to see what he's doing. Let's that's go good, in.
1: Well, you know, I come from uh, western Maryland, and uh, for most of you, you you guys, you urbanites here down in the valley, that usually means Hagerstown, but I mean the real deal. Yeah. Way out yonder, as we say, out in Cumberland. Uh, born out there, well, in a tiny town outside of Cumberland called LaVale, August 31st, 1982. Mark your calendars. Um, the... Um, you know, I, I, I stayed out there until, you know, through high school age, um, moved out here when I was, um, I guess, yeah, 18, fresh, naive, uh, new bile, all <laughs> those things, um, and, that's, and we pretty much met pretty quickly right after that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, out there, we, uh, uh, you know, got, got interested in music and all that stuff out there. Yeah. Um, You've met a, few, you met a few of my oddball friends from out there. But for the most part, it's pretty much common to, uh, once you come of age, you participate in the exodus out of, the, uh, out of those lands. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, not a whole lot of opportunity out there. So, came out here. I've been living out here between um, Baltimore and Philadelphia ever since. Um, good times.
0: I, I saw a band the other day that was from Fort Worth and they were late to their show and they they were on tour obviously and they were like they are like yeah um sorry we had no idea like the Appalachians go through Maryland <laughs> <laughs> I got this distinct feeling that everyone else was like the Appalachians are in Maryland like like I don't think people realize that
1: there even is that part of Maryland absolutely absolutely um, we are, uh, it's pretty isolated out there, but it is distinct. It is distinct from the, uh, the, uh, Amish Pennsylvania, the, well, the West Virginian West Virginia, and the, uh, flyover Ohio that surround it. Yeah. So we hold it down for Maryland out there. We represent as best we can, although it is pretty, ah, uh, primitive. <laughs> based yeah. on, we, we, we usually like to assume that once you've crossed, um, Sidling Hill the uh, the big cutout you've ever driven out there yeah. uh, that you you're approximately 11 years prior To wherever you went through um, That goes to radio the songs mm. will be old if you get radio um, Everything technology the vehicles you won't see newer cars Yeah off the highway um, So yeah, that's don't don't be surprised if you got there and that's what happens dear uh, But yeah Appalachia, the Appalachian Mountains I can't tell you how many times uh, my friends or I have encountered instances where people had no idea that, yeah. that they'd either never heard of it. You know, Cumberland used to be um, the second biggest city in, in Maryland uh, behind oh, Bubble War. Yeah. It still erroneously carries the name uh, the Queen City huh. as a result. But yeah, it used to be a big deal, like uh, big jazz acts and what have you, like, like the, the height of Cumberland's existence was probably like between the wars but back then you big uh big acts used to come through
0: that's crazy
1: and actually uh the architecture is pretty much frozen at that point too you don't really see much uh other other than you know a few homes here there you don't really see anything that was obviously built after like 1920 or 30 yeah (laughs) i i remember um
0: gavin telling me that in like train hopping circles there's like a big fear is like ending up in cumberland mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's kind of like you know like like you're like mario man like falling into like the lava or something it's like it's i can like, see that it's like you want to do this you want to do that but whatever you do you don't
1: get on like route <laughs> or whatever you would truly be in trouble i can definitely see that and i yeah. i have i have a, a particular friend comes to mind when you mentioned train hopping he, he's from there, so he'll use the trains to get out there occasionally, yeah. but yeah, there's not, like, you must have been on a hell of a voyage to have gotten out there to begin with on the train, right. but it's going to take a hell of a voyage to get out, <laughs> certainly. <laughs> it's, it still is a um, relatively uh, relevant uh, train, you know, train shipping hub. Yeah. In fact, my, my father is retired now, but he's uh, worked at the uh, CSX. Train yards down there. There's oh. an engineer, and the uh, uh, I could tell you, there's been plenty of stories. Like my dad, my father's also pretty blunt, so um, this might be too graphic. We might have to edit this yeah. out. But one one night he comes in, and you know I'm scarcely into double digits. I'm probably ten or something like yeah. that, maybe even nine. But he comes home one night, and without a filter, tells me that he had to have men spray blood and brains off Of the train, Jesus Christ, pretty graphic. I like growing up, I know of at least like two or three times where guys behind the Roy Rogers. anybody from out there is listening, you remember the time the kid got cut in half behind Roy Rogers? Oh, geez. that was messed up. Um, but that happened, you know, yeah. So don't, you know, don't do that. That's the moral of that part. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, as far as um pff, Cumberland goes not really much of a reason to go out there unless mm. you know the, the Cumberland the cumberland Vale, Frostburg complex
0: yeah like I've always been kind of interested in a town like that like what would what's the story behind like the black family that's in that winds up in
1: Cumberland. No, I, that's interesting too. Like demographically, um, it's it's changed now. Like everything else. Like even when I got there, it's kind of different. Like you know, on all fronts. Like I'm I'm kind of a stranger myself. When yeah, I got there now. But um, I'd say the black population was always proportionate to where it is everywhere else. Where whereas you know, of course, like in Baltimore here, it's kind of disproportionate. Yeah. There's more. There's like I think I think Baltimore is in places like a sixty percent black.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. But out there, it's probably you know the you know the normal ratio. The interesting part, though, that there wasn't anything else. And if you were there, wasn't there weren't no you know no Latinos yeah. but when I was growing up, Latinos yeah. or um, um, Asian people or anything yeah. like that. There were very few deviations from those. Um, but one of the few one of the cultural things that blacks and whites were able to forge out there were um, a very High powered class of uh rap rednecks, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, typified by the um, the camo of a lore suit, yeah, things like that. Kind of guys that have that kind of like Fred Durst meets CMT meets like deliverance kind of (laughs) vibe. So, we're you know, that's 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 one of you see those guys everywhere now. But we we I think we might have even invented that out there. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, my 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 family personally came from um, well you know obviously you can probably say we came the, you know the, from the south right um, but specifically I believe uh, Tennessee uh, is where my father's yeah. side came from and my mother's side is kind of more of a mystery. But since we're talking about me. Uh, I'll Let's also go. mention that, um, if you guys remember when that um, fancy uh, professor got locked out of his house and caused a big national s- scandal that, that, that led to the Obama, what have you, the Obama Beer Conference, right. infamously, <laughs> right. that guy, Skip Gates, he's like, uh, pff, what, I don't even know exactly what he is to me, but his grandfather, or his father and my grandfather are brothers, Okay, so he, he's he's known for doing a lot of like um, research into like uh, uh, black lineages and stuff yeah. like that, and that's one of the only ways that I know um, where some of my roots come from. Yeah, and it actually turns out that we had a um, a matriarch in the family uh, who who actually owned property. Like it's like like immediately after the Civil War. That's right. That's it's totally, right. you know, totally unorthodox in Maryland Yeah, in, in Cumberland. Yeah, on uh, Green Street specifically and at one point to hear them tell it my you know The older the older branches the oldest people surviving yeah. my family. Uh, we actually used to own a whole bunch of houses and property along this, this Green Street there uh, near the Dingle which is where the fancy people lived. We, we didn't live in the Dingle, but <laughs> the Dingle still stands today, I believe. It's a fancy little triangle, like further up Green Street. A triangle of houses? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, like a wedge of fancier houses than what you guys have on the right and what you guys have on the left. Mm. <laughs> kind of a funny name. Yeah, I, don't, I have no idea where that comes from. And, and the, the, the thing about Cumberland is it's... Uh, it's small, especially you know, on a, you know, by comparison to like a true city. But it's too big to be called a town, and it's big enough that you can that it has districts. It has distinct districts, and you can you can live your life without seeing this guy or that guy or whatever. Yeah, you know, for, So for instance, you know, I lived on the opposite side of town from the so That's almost alien. The blue side. It's blue almost, side. The town is almost embarrassingly defined by the two primary high schools, the red one and the blue one. Okay. Um, which also, the blue one, Allegheny, uh, sits uh, right outside of a um, cemetery, which is where the original um, Night of the Living Dead was filmed. Really? And if yeah, if you oh, watch wow. if, if you watch the film and listen, there's a sequence where uh, they're listening to the radio. And they actually, back when they're referring to the, uh, the zombies as assassins, I think was the term they were using. It actually mentions, Cumberland, like, scientists from Cumberland, which is <laughs> laughable in itself. But yeah, it actually mentions Cumberland by name. And you could still, you know, I, I, have, I have family buried in that, on both sides, buried oh, in that, wow. uh, that, that cemetery. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's crazy. So that's, I probably, you know, I probably blew my wad there. I think I've said all the famous stuff we got. Yeah.
0: No, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. Gabriel suggested asking you about a certain event which i i half remember but i remember thinking was funny (laughs) um which was a halloween
1: oh ninja childhood story oh yeah yeah this is this is that was epic okay i can set that up for you um the year was 1989 second grade uh, this was just as the Ninja Turtles were breaking. And I can say that with confidence because we were all ninjas, not Ninja Turtles. The Mira- Mirage Studios had not come through with the merchandising yet. Mm. And you know that hit hard, so yeah. you know, it, was, it was right at the cusp. So I had, um, and you know, you know those days, you invite one kid in class, you gotta invite everybody. Yeah. So I did. I passed out... Uh, invitations to everybody in the class, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I go home. You know, I'm getting ready that night. We got the, the, the basement all decked out. Uh, you know, we had a little, a little, little bar down there. We had the, the we had Thriller on. We had the fake cobwebs. It was all done up. Everything. You know, because, you know, Vincent Price coming out of the cassette player. It was, it was legitimate. So, first, the first guest was actually, technically, it kind of doesn't count, but she does, was my... Babysitter's daughter, she came down dressed as like a fifties, you know, poodle skirt girl. Yeah. yeah. Then, you know, and, 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 and just to say, you know, so we can get this clear. My ninja uniform was just a straight, classic black ninja with a red dragon insignia. All right, you got me. So yeah. So then my second, my third, my, se- you know, my second guest shows up. is a black ninja, straight head to toe with the red dragon insignia.
0: Mm.
1: Now, and then the third guy shows up, and the fourth, and the fifth, <laughs> and the sixth. Needless to say, as the fashionably late individuals started to arrive, I had a full pack of identical ninjas. It's a small town, too. We probably all bought, uh, the same, bought them at the now-defunct uh, department store, Hills, yeah, uh, which wasn't too far away. So, this, got the, this sent the adrenaline through the roof. I had a pack, because I, I'm the leader, because it was my party, right? So, I had, like, 12 to 18 dudes, all dressed as ninjas. Yeah. It would have, it would, it would have been devastating to have showed up not a ninja, to tell you the <sighs> truth. Um, so, we, we had a blast. We just went buck wild. Now, here's the back end of the story, which Gabri may or may not have remembered. Um, the night ended up in tears and blood. I... During and I, this might be a false memory, but I'm pretty sure it was during the Vincent Price monologue during Thriller, <laughs> I was up on the bar, I fell off. you know, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. I landed on my face, and I had to be taken to the hospital to have stitches put in my lip. And when I got there, it was the only time I've ever had stitches. I've tried to avoid that ever since, but when I got there, I raised such a hell that they um, they had to uh, wrap me up to a papoose board like a, oh yeah there's th- 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 <laughs> so, wrapped, me, wrapped me up like a like a mummy and um and I went to work on my face but uh, but yeah that was a pretty legendary legendary epic tale
0: you know the part that I actually <laughs> remember which I feel like you left out is that it was a mickey mouse papoose
1: yes <laughs> yes um like, like that's gonna make it better <laughs> like oh you know what you know, at that clinical, that clinical whiteboard. You know, I'll I'll take the Mickey Mouse when. <laughs> you know what? Actually, maybe it did make it a little bit easier. <laughs> maybe not though. You know, at that at that age, you're already trying to rebel against the you know childhood stuff. Yeah. But uh, it was Mickey Mouse is like worth rebelling against when you're like five. Yeah. You know? If you're into him, you kind of do that alone. Yeah. You, you break him out like when you're alone. But, you know, oh, how the mighty have fallen, because just an hour or two, I was the head of my own platoon. Yeah. uh, An elite, elite fighting unit. Next thing you know, I'm ushered out in tears. Bleeding profusely. I would have preferred to have gone down in combat, you know, gone down in single combat against my second in command. uh, Who, he's probably not listening, but I think his name was uh, Jason. I won't say his last name, because, you know. Might be on the on the run by now. I haven't seen him in a long time. Mm. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was epic. That's that's funny that she remembered that. Yeah. <laughs> so your dad was this engineer guy. What what did your mom do? She worked at again. I don't know that it exists anymore. A department store called the Bonton. Mm. Well, actually, when I was born, it was called Eirelys, and. Then it became the Bonton, which is um, which was in the Country Club Mall. Yeah, and uh, yeah, she was a, a department manager there, pretty much for my whole whole childhood. Yeah, yeah. And I had a pretty, I had a pretty normal, it, like it, it's it's kind of funny, you know. I had I have a pretty bizarre family on on all fronts, but I somehow had an extremely normal, mundane, you know, middle class, isolated kind of kind of. Um, upbringing yeah yeah uh but the uh it was it was interesting it was like the um i i you know i'll put it this way i had to get the hell out of there once i came of age but i definitely wouldn't forfeit having grown up out there for anything like Mm. like I've, i've said to um couple of my friends in the past, like, I couldn't imagine, like, of course I could have, but, um, growing up in a strictly urban or, like, even suburban or fully rural environment would be kind of alien. Yeah. To me, um, the, uh, and when you live out there, you're you're in a little vacuum. It's, Mm -hmm. uh, you don't really worry about the outside world. Yeah. Um, I certainly wasn't worried about the Soviet Union, which I should have been at the time. But, (laughs) uh. Yeah, you know, you you know Cumberland, even people that live out there now, you know, you know oh Baltimore, you're going to oh he lives in Baltimore, oh yeah. oh she you know she went to Philadelphia, you know it's like oh they, they it immediately it's like you know all carjackings and rape right. and, and fraud in their mind, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but uh, but but Cumberland's changed. You know, I, I I don't go back there very often, but it's definitely demographically and um, commercially change. I mentioned the uh, the Country Club Mall. Getting back to that, the um, which is a uh, funny, funny, funny little progression here too. For the longest time, it was you know the place to be, the place. To, you know, it was the only mall for. I dare say, it was the only proper mall for maybe even a hundred miles around. Yeah, uh, but uh, I don't know. Sometime maybe in the early 90s, late 80s, we got a Walmart. Mm. And I always said, this was kind of funny because it was like, like a, you know, like a Roman siege of Masada. Like, the, the, the Country Club Mall sits up on a hill and they set up, Walmart set up its little base camp down at the base. Like, it's literally just like this. (laughs) Sat down there for a year sucking off their, their commerce until, in the years I was gone, Walmart has abandoned its like, Big campus down at the hill, and it's literally, literally eaten half of the mall. They mm. tore down half of the mall and erected like it's it's like it's like half of our old mall is sticking out of the back of a super center now. <laughs> it's totally bizarre. You can go in there, like I'm walking past. uh, oh, you you guys probably don't know what Mac Taddys is. You ever heard of that? <laughs> no. Yeah, that's 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 confidential. That's it. It was like a um. You know, it was just a place to eat in the food court, yeah, yeah. but you know I could walk I could go in there uh, Walk in like I used to walk by the dream machine or arcade and right where Matt Taddy's used to be There used to be like a whole bunch more mall now. It's like a, a door into a Walmart. So it's totally surreal they, wow, it's, it's like tr- a dream. Yeah, truly. I've only been in there. It's been that way for years, but I've only been up there um and, and seen this from my own eyes like twice, but I've never gotten used to it. Never will. Have you ever seen the Enchanted Forest Shopping Center?
0: No. You, I, I thought maybe when you were doing deliveries with me, you might have seen it. But Where's it at? Do you, do you remember the Enchanted Forest when you were a kid?
1: Uh, is this off Route 40? Yeah. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> like, did you go there when you were a kid? No. We didn't, we didn't have... Um, we didn't have anything like that out there. Now I, I came but out. It was kind. It was kind of like
0: the destination. Like I, I was like I remember going there like from like Charles Village when I was a little <laughs> kid. Like it was like you got to You
1: got to see these sweet. If I knew about it, no. I, I had family out here. I had kind of a eccentric aunt who lived in Towson, and uh. You know a couple of family members out here and uh, so I came out to Baltimore probably more than most kids did yeah at least you know like two or twice a year and um, You know we didn't have Toys R Us and stuff like that out there So that's I'd have to come out and get you know hit that yeah. stuff up see the the real cultural sites go you know, go to the Science Center and all that business of the, the National Aquarium um, But uh, but yeah, we didn't have Anything like the enchanted forest yeah had I known about it, I would have. It would have been on my list of demands. Yeah,
0: but, but it's like the same thing. It's like they basically shut it down, but and just put in like some crazy like McDonald's and <laughs> everything else. But they like keep some of these like figures. So there's like like a crazy like fairy tale like king statue being like this way to McDonald's. You
1: know, it, <laughs> it's like I'm not sure if that's. Good that they maintained it, or if it's like a uh, like a sacrilegious conquering, yeah. Of, of you know, I'm sure it's bittersweet for you. Yeah, you see, you know, you still get to see the king and the T Rex, etc. But um, Cause yeah, I think it happened like like very slowly. So I mentioned I had an aunt that lived out here. She actually, um. Moved back to Cumberland in nineteen. 19- she, she had an apartment in um, uh, off Lock Raven Boulevard. Mm. She moved back to Cumberland in 1991. Um, she died in 2003. Never went back, but kept the apartment. Kept paying for the apartment, the all those years. So when she died, um, I went. Look, it was you know, I was the closest in proximity. Yeah. To go check it out. It was insane it oh, was oh, yeah, was, you might even remember that yeah, it was like um, it was like King Tut yeah. I went up there. I guess you know I assume maintenance men went in from time to time maybe but in there popped that door It, it was like stepping into the past There was I mean and she didn't plan on never coming back So yeah. it was like what she what was in the refrigerator in 1991 was in the refrigerator like what she you know what was you know the tv guide from no, you know it was all <laughs> there it, it was all there yeah, yeah. now when i'd mentioned that 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 particular like the food to, to people in the past and i told they were like oh gross it's like no 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 it was past that yeah there was no putrefication. it was like dry just <laughs> you know there was a tur i remember there being a turkey which was just like dried there was no rot or smell to it yeah and uh there was a can of peaches on the counter that the i guess the acidity of the peach juice had eaten somehow somehow the acid like evaporated through the tin and when i went to lift it off the um the top of the can came off and just the bottom and just like a Black carbony, dried, scentless <laughs> junk was was sitting on the bottom, so it was, it was it was definitely bizarre was
0: there a bunch of like pianos he found, like 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 toy pianos or
1: something or was that, that a different spot? That's a different spot, yeah, yeah, I thought yeah like I said yeah, I've got some eccentricity in my yeah. family
0: <laughs>
1: uh you know which... Kind Of explains you know me a little bit too, if you don't mind, just mm. to you know
0: to get a sense of this life narrative. Mm. Um, obviously a sensitive subject, but um, no, you had this parent pass away at a yeah, oh,
1: super yeah. early age. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, that and actually, and I can feed and I can feed like continue my narrative while also noting that. Well, yeah, my mother died at um. Yeah, when i was 12 mm. 13 um no she had 12 and you know that's I and mean, that's a hell of a load anyway but right at the onset of puberty that was a sons of bitch as you can imagine mm. it was ultra messed up and she, what she, she died from was was breast cancer mm. and one of the things that's i guess maybe one, another claim to uh infamy we have out there is that the um the cancer rate out there is extremely rare. I mean, I mean, I mean extremely high. Yeah. And um, one of the things that's... Uh, was kind of crazy is, you know... It wasn't as out... I mean, it was outrageous, but it wasn't as out of the ordinary as it should have been because by the time my mother died, I had two close friends who had their father die. Um, uh, this girl I was really into down the road. Her father was dead. Um, and, you know, a lot of people had... It was. It's like I can't remember the ratio, but the, the the cancer rates to the roof. It's probably because we had a lot of heavy industry, um, rubber made of rubber mm. and, and and coal mining stuff like that. That's mm. that's all. Yeah. You know, that's carcinogenic. Sorry, carcinogenic hell there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my um, like I had getting back to me, like I said, I had a pretty pretty normal upbringing. And then it wasn't just my mother's death, but that was the big, like, uh, B.C., A.D. moment right. in my life there. But a whole bunch of things changed there, too. I actually ended up changing um, schools right after there, too. I had a completely—that's that, right right when I started getting into music and stuff, too. Mm. Uh, like, making music. Yeah. Uh, it, was, um, it was totally bizarre. Now, one of the things that came out of that is my parents always had— almost comically differing um personalities Mm. my dad was always like um and his and his mother who who grew up like my my father grew up on the street i grew up on yeah because like he and he joined the navy it was like he 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 grew up in a small town went around the world stationed in europe um confronted soviet warships in the pacific move back to the same street yeah. and, and, uh, and, and, you know, Pine Avenue on, on yeah. So, but, so he was, his attitude and my grandmother's attitude was until, until she died was always, um, one of granting outrageous independence as long as you don't mess up. Mm. And I was entrusted not to mess up and I didn't, I didn't, yeah. you know, I didn't mess up. So when I was young, um, you know, as young as like maybe like six or seven, I could go. And it also it was, you know, a more innocent place and time. You know, I could yeah. go. I could. I could go on my own with other kids, like down over the street or whatever. Yeah. And um, I had. Uh, I ended up having a time period there where, after my mother was gone, my dad was would work the late shift. So I was like one of those like latchkey kids, which mm. ended up kind of being like Ferris Bueller every day. Where, like, you know, my, my house is, like, the place to go right after. Yeah. So, you could walk there. We drove because we were cool kids. Yeah. But um, you could, um, you know, we would, we would hang out there, and it was a pretty, pretty social place. Um, and my dad, even still now, like, his attitude has always been, you do your thing, I'm not going to intervene until you mess up. Yeah. And the more you don't mess up, the, the, the more independence you get. Yeah. yeah. Um, Probably a good, a good tale to, um, uh, to tell about the, 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 difference between my parents was, uh, one of the only times I've, one of the only other times I've been hospitalized, <laughs> 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 uh, with an injury was, um, I don't know. I was probably four and it's a dutch hole, I got away from him and ended up pulling a boiling hot pot of soup down on my chest. Didn't hit my face. Luckily. And, um, they immediately, like, like, I was like, ah, ended up with like a, like a Saget from Street Fighter, scar on my (sighs) chest, which is pretty cool, like, it's gone now, it's probably like a little dark mark on my back now, uh, but when they, when they, you know, I just, I start screaming bloody murder, and my dad's first reaction is, you know, you messed up, (laughs) what did you, what what would you, what were you thinking, (laughs) whereas my mom's first reaction is, Whatever he did is okay. Let's, you know, just get him to the hospital. Yeah. Like, my dad is, like, wants to be, like... Because obviously I wasn't dead.
0: Right, right. I just
1: burned up my chest. He's like, what did you do? <laughs> and my mother was like, what do we got to do? Right, So that's, right. That's, that's, that's probably, like, a definitive butting of heads right there. Classic. Well, it,
0: <laughs> I, I guess I, I've always thought it was crazy. Like, I feel like every... I feel like every dad is like a little bit of a a mystery Mm -hmm. and it must be crazy to to be, have it suddenly be like, looks like it's just me and you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, My dad is also, and I inherited a lot of this. My dad's a very black and white thinker. Mm. So it was even more so than a lot of other people would have experienced. So it was like, once my mother died, he was like, her stuff has got to go um, either like like he basically had, you know, my, like the two sides of my family don't interact. Yeah, they're totally alien each other because they just they totally don't yeah. see eye to eye. Um, it's like Republicans and Democrats like yeah. my, my my dad's side is like. Pretty standoffish, more traditionalist in some respects. Yeah. And uh, the other side is very emotional. Mm. Um. Uh, in a lot of respects. So, like, when he... When my mother died, it was like, all right, you know, we get back from the funeral, or the funeral was like yesterday. Immediately, we gotta have an open house, where he he basically told the other side of the family, come in, like, I'm literally going to open the door, you guys come in, you take away stuff that was hers, and you leave. And that's basically... (laughs) It sounds crazy, God, it was crazy, but that's what happened. Um, You know, he... He he centralized the pictures of her. You know, he did. He didn't want to like. He wasn't like a Stalin thing where he wanted to like strike her from the record. Right. You know, Photoshop her out of the images. But it was just like it was just like we have to live this life now. Period. Yeah. Period. That's 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 how he is.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but it was it was weird. All of a sudden, it was just like here we are. Yeah. And and, and also, like I said, you know, I was like it was puberty age and all that stuff too. Yeah. So it was it was. I, I woke up on a completely different planet like 18 months later. Yeah, yeah. And, and now it's... um, I couldn't imagine. I think about it sometimes, but I couldn't even imagine my life would be completely different in certain respects, but I couldn't even imagine what it would be like if she was still alive. Yeah. And also I had um, uh, like uh, uh, people die beforehand. It was kind of weird. The... Oh, well, first of all, Again, tying it into something from earlier, my mother's mother died young, and there was a number of deaths in that tier. So when I when I was coming up, it was like my whole great for for multiple reasons because they lived further away, or they were dead, or they were exiled, or whatever. Yeah. The whole like grandparent tier was non-existent, huh. but I had great grandparents still alive. So it was kind of weird. Like I had, like you know, yeah, it was it was weird. It was yeah. like it was like this this ca- this tier gone. This tier still exists. Whereas most people, that are great grandparents were dead. Yeah. So I had, uh, I had, I, I went through like a couple of deaths. It wasn't it wasn't my first death for people, you know, and I and I stood next to certain people who were like the first death they ever experienced was like their parent. Yeah. And I've seen, um, you know, I've even seen, I've, I've had experiences where. Uh, whether it's my girlfriend or, or close friends, where they'll have a grandparent die now that we're old. Right. And it's the first time that death has ever touched them. Yeah. Whereas, you know, which is, you know, it's even, it's like even harder for them to deal with than it was for me. Because by that time, I'd already experienced death mm. on multiple fronts. Yeah. Uh, I was shielded from it. Like, I, you know, it wasn't like there was like a, it wasn't, you know, that, that morbid and that morose, but it was yeah really. the fir- the first death i i had to, to process was that grandma that lived up the street at, uh, at seven mm. um, and that was a radical change too it was just because she lived up the street so that's where I, I went after school yeah et cetera you know um but it was it was it was kind of crazy the um i had uh, but at the same time I had grandparents who were alive who or great grandparents alive that were like you know could tell me I, and I, so it's a shame now because I, I wasn't old enough to really appreciate how old they were. Yeah. But, you know, they were uh, like, you know, my great-grandmother, she was, you know, Sylvia, was, she was born in uh, 1907. Yeah. So it was like, she remembered, even superficially, like, World War I, yeah, the Depression, yeah. certain things like that. Totally. And then, um, or just the fact that, you know, imagine that. Imagine going from you know, life or, you know, b- before the Titanic set sail to you know, now they're watching, you know, Vanna White and Pat Sajak on, on like, you know, tube television. Yeah. You know, t- t- seen all those crazy decades. And meanwhile, uh, Pat Sajak and Vanna White are still on the Wheel of Fortune. That just occurred to me the other day. Because I, right. I, I saw a commercial. And there's it's still them. They've clearly had some work done, but, more, you know, good on them. <laughs> <laughs> they're still doing their thing. That's what it's <laughs> But so, like, when you say, like,
0: you're forming this, you know, music squad kind of like like what's what's going down exactly?
1: Everybody kind of around puberty age was like all of a sudden like, huh? And you know, this was these were grunge days too. Yeah. So it was like all of a sudden, and not not that the glam rock might not have set us off a couple of years beforehand. Yeah, uh, but all of a sudden we were totally totally down with this. Uh, we had, you know. You know, one of my friends, he's, he's getting his, a, a doctorate in saxophone in Texas. That's what's up. Yeah. Um, uh, we had uh, everybody, you know, everybody played the guitar, some. Yeah. Um, a few people had drums, whatever. You know, I, I, I was, uh, was encouraged by my family as a matter of, like, a coping thing. Like, you know, give, you know we got, got to get this kid some, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, so it was like, it was probably encouraged more so, like, if, if everything had been dandy-pandy and I'm just like, hey, uh, I, think, uh, I think I'd like to try this be like, all right, cool. Here's your, like, you know, here's your you know, Walmart, you know, $40 kids' yeah. guitar. Where it was like, oh, and of course, again, it was the grunge era and I'm going through puberty. I'm like in eighth grade. I'm sullen as hell. And my mother's dead. Yeah. Sullen as hell. Yeah. So when I finally lifted my head up and was like, you know what? I think I'm to get, get some power chords going. They're like, oh, shit. Get this kid, like, a proper kick-ass Fender. Yeah, I've got my first proper guitar. Well, <laughs> my first proper guitar was uh, um, Fender Jagstang, a Kurt Cobain guitar, oh, yeah. also reminiscent of the time. But another funny notion there, too. The main outlet we had, and, you know, all of us, like, there was tons of us that were into music, but... The only real outlet we had was um, for, you know, commercially was uh, a place called Arts Music, which still exists. But the funny thing is, and this is revenue, it's 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 a music store. But as much as it's a music store, it's a, quote, Christian supplies store and a cafe. Cafe came later. Uh, So it's not like music is the priority, but it was like the best we had. And yeah, prices through the roof, you know, this is before like, you know, musicians friend and when musicians yeah. friend did start coming through It was like pornography. I can say pornography. Yeah, right? it was See? like pornography centerfolds and they all yeah. we had um, So you would go through it and be like, you know Fernandez guitars marked up defender prices you'd go in there and <laughs> strum or whatever late and actually that's that's not entirely fair because there was another music store in Frostburg, but like I said, Ten miles away, but that was you don't go to Frostburg. Yeah, why would I go to Frostburg? No reason no reason at all unless you it's like you are you going to college? Um, do where there are not enough liquor stores and Churches and oh by the way, I've heard it claim that that Frostburg has one of the highest church to liquor store to um, bar ratios mm. for its size like in the like, maybe even in the whole damnation. It's pretty wild. Yeah, um, but uh, there is a place up there called Commercial Sound Music, which also exists. The funny thing about that is, they only sell PV, only, huh. exclusively. So, and the funny thing is, PV, isn't it so capable of furnishing an entire store? So you know, mixing boards, drum kits, guitar picks, yeah, <laughs> XLR cables, whatever. <laughs> it was there, you know. Yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. That's actually where I got my first drum set where I, um, I started taking lessons from a guy named uh, Ray Wagner, who also, and that's how I met a couple of other people who, or got closer to a couple other people, because he gave um, him, and they were him and this other radio DJ, They were radio DJs who had a, um, a little place where they would give uh, music lessons. And this was right, ar- yeah, right around that puberty time. Yeah. And uh, so we would, you know, I'd pass... Pass a pass a guy close friend coming down the steps as I was going up same way coming down, and um when I uh, uh when I switched uh, elementary schools I was kind of an oddity now and now I can I can, I can touch on like being uh being a black kid uh-huh. I, I, it wasn't bizarre to be black out there because like yeah. I said the ratio wasn't really off it wasn't like a rarity yeah but it was to it, but it was an oddity to be. A black kid with a Foo Fighters t-shirt, mm. etc., and that was um, actually hell. That's still that still catches people off guard sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was um, that wasn't a really big deal. Now I'll tell you, you know, if you if you stray too far out of Cumberland, it's there's nothing out there, and, right. there, and there is some deliverance out there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but for the most part, you know, people that regard the Cumberland as that's, that's a city. There are, there are many, I don't even know, I can call them villages, municipalities, settlements out there, out yonder, where, you know, places where, places with names like Sunnyside. Yeah. That don't, they're they're, they're like unincorporated regions. Yeah. Where, where you can go out there and there's people living out there. It's like, you know, colonial times.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Which, you know, more power to them. <laughs> But I I never encountered any real, like, overt racism or anything like that. But when I did switch schools, um, elementary schools, middle schools, it was was from the blue side, Braddock Middle School, the red side, Washington Middle School, which Mm. was controversial. So when I got there, to, 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 to get to the point here, I showed up, and the loudness of... Here's this black kid with uh first boys new, which was weird in itself, yeah, weird in itself there, so I got a lot of attention uh, every 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 time a new boy showed up, the girls would be nuts and vice versa. so there was that kind of attention and then there was um almost like I was almost being like um vetted. By different competing factions to see Well, yeah. who's this guy gonna to? like prison? Right, right Is this guy gonna join the black guerrilla army the Aryan Brotherhood ms-13? It's like <laughs> where are you gonna be because you don't yeah. you don't you don't roll alone. Yeah, you're gonna get abused So that's where a guy approached me um, friend Jason Who had an existing band a band that was re- like relatively well known as far as you know 13 year old kids go right well i'll give i'll put it this way when they had we had closed circuit television announcements at at washington and this band did the song for it so every morning this band was on and plus the front man was already in high school now Mm. garrett garrett was in ninth grade by that point so that was a pretty damn big deal that was elite yeah so one of these guys jason the drummer approached me Maybe in the first gym class I had, and I actually had a, a close friend, I had an in, um, a friend named Jordan who had been kicked out of Braddock for having cigarettes mm. and, um, and, caused, and being suspended like a bunch of times. Yeah. He's kind of you know, a rebel figure, if you're listening Jordan, but you're not, you know, big ups. <laughs> yeah, I think he's in Ocean City these days. But um, he went around and introduced me to some people in gym class. Yeah. And it was gym class, but we were all sitting on the, I guess we were just sullen and refusing to participate. You had to participate at Braddock. You had to put on a uniform. Right. But, but you could just sit out like a sack, poor sports sack. And that's what we were doing. Yeah. So, you, so I, so I ended up, that's where I was like, oh, well, here's the artistic freaks, right. if you will. And I remember him kind of being like, Travis, this is the artistic freaks. I'll be over here. Sit down next to this guy. And Jason's like, and I said Foo Fighters. I had a Foo Fighters shirt on that day. Yeah. He's like, oh. This was the first album, only the first Foo Fighters album existed. Uh, He's like, so I had the, you know, the the ray gun and the the UFOs on my shirt. He's like, so, you're like the Foo Fighters, huh? It's not like, you know, you didn't just find that shirt at the Google Rack. I was like, yeah, he vetted me a little bit. And he's like, and I was like, he's like, if we play, I was like, yeah, we got to that point. And before I knew it, pretty rapidly, I was being um, courted by them. To replace this other kid who had <laughs> now we, we joked socially or band wise? Both. Okay. Both. <laughs> um and the funny thing is, it was like um was a good example. They they brought me in for in practices. So there was there was, they were a trio. They brought me in and it was four of us for a while. And it's like you know, this is, this is gonna be, you know, it wasn't like, this is your replacement. and we're like, fuck you, you know, get out of here. Can I say that? Yeah. So it wasn't, it was like that. There was like, I think there was only two practices with the two of us, or the, with the both of us at once. Um, I, was, I was a bassist. Yeah. And, um, which was my first introduction to the bass. I was like, well, well I can do that, because I wanted to be in this band. It's like, yeah. yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll play, I can, I, can, I can fire a bazooka, I can do whatever you want me to do. Right. So we, we, um, The reason that he ultimately was dismissed from the band was quote for being and it's a joke but it's also true was for quote being too cool he had become too cool Mm. he started hanging out with um you know jocks and preps stuff like that and that was unacceptable to the image um plus um here's another joke too that we commonly say too was that it was a court-ordered thing that they had to have a minority (laughs) you know a minority to balance it out so they brought me in. We practiced a couple songs, and then he was he was gone. So technically, <laughs> technically, we we are still we're still in this band together. <laughs> That's what's up. Um, I still I, and and Jason is actually one of those friends I mentioned. It lives near Fort Meade now. Another another friend, um, Anthony lives extremely close by too. He's one of the yeah. he's one of the best bass players I've known. And again, tying again back to something else as well. He, he, um, he went to Bell, which was Frostburg's high school. Oh, okay. I uh, never seen the guy in my life yeah, until yeah. <laughs> until we were, like, college age. I, yeah. went, I went to Frostburg State my first year, which is like, you know, it, you know, there was a community college, but it was, like, just one step more, one step less underwhelming than going to the ACC, <laughs> yeah. which is just AC now. They dropped the word community. Mm. Um. To going up there, but it's funny too. It's like you know, here's this guy. Not only were we the same age in this tiny town, musicians or whatever, but I didn't. I've never even seen these guys. Yeah, like another guy comes to mind, John. For, I never seen these guys in my life until we got to this age. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was it was a cool environment to kind of grow up in. Uh, and that's one of the things when you know by the time we met, that's one of the things that helped me uh, slide right into. Um, Life here was I actually uh, we, you know I was working at Bill's Music house. Yeah. that was one of the big things that made it, so I was like, well, I'm staying out here. And the funny thing about that was I had actually been purchasing I'd purchased like two bases from this guy that worked there named C.J, mm-hmm. and uh, he, um, he was still working there when I came through, so like he sold me these bases when I'm like... Or sold my family these basses. <laughs> yeah, because I actually, yeah, again, t- touch the other story. Crap, I need a bass. I'm in a band now. I need a bass. Yeah. So I, I plunked along on a borrowed bass for a while. Got this pawn shop P bass, precision P bass, which I still have some of the chunks too. Um, uh, but I was like, I needed something proper. Went up to Bill's Music House, which was like a Mecca at the time. Yeah. Uh, got in there, and, and from that relationship... Uh, when, uh, when I got to you know, college age and I was starting to consider going to UMBC because, because J- again, Jason, the drummer from that band, had started going there. Uh, I was like, well, let's see. Let's have a look here. I was just plunking around. I was loitering, for a better word, in, uh, in Bill's Music House all the time. And uh, he ended up saying, you know what? We just had a guy quit. Check this out. We'll, you know, fill out this application. And I was pretty much hired story. I didn't go in there looking for a job. Yeah. He hired me. And that's where I met Mickey. That's yeah. where I met you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rapidly. I, I, I remember Mickey, meeting Mickey in the uh, in the uh, keyboard department. That's where he accosted me. He propositioned me, frankly. Say what? <laughs> no, I can't remember exactly what our... I, I assume it was, you know, probably, you know, probably some stupid work-related. But you, you run your mouth about gear, obviously, with other yeah. gearheads there. But uh, Mickey was probably one of the first... Definitely was one of the first people that I liked enough that was like, oh, oh yeah, we'll, we'll hang out outside at work. Oh, and he yeah. and he and he piped me into. He's like, oh, well, I've got a whole bunch of freaks here in Catonsville. This is where I'm from. Yeah, let me show you this. And that's when. And before I knew, it, I was at Gigolo Knights. Yeah, yeah. Legends. Yeah. Does Gigolo Knights still exist? Um, I
0: think so. I think Mickey's cousin still lives there, and. He definitely bought the house at one point. Oh, no. I think he he
1: still owns it. I that's don't... um, man, that was by the time by the time me and Colin and, and I brought Colin into the mix. Yeah. So Colin came with me. You came with with Mickey. Right. Um, the uh, it, uh, it was like a um, prisoner exchange, kind of. <laughs> uh, but yeah, by the time we me and Colin showed up, Gigolo Knights was already on like season nine.
0: Yeah. Totally. So. Man.
1: We and, and we liked that place a lot. Yeah. And, and the funny thing, you know, Colin wasn't a was musician then. Right. He had a um preternatural ability to remember lyrics. I'm sure he knew, I'm sure he could rattle off all the uh the lyrics to um DuckTales theme song right now. <laughs> no quest. He never, he always had that. Or like he, you know, at the time, you know, to, to period piece it all the outcast lyrics. He knew yeah. he knew all that stuff. But it had never really occurred to him to like do it. Yeah, and loitering around bills is one of the things that turned. Him over. I I sold him his first, uh, um, DJ rig. Yeah, that was yeah, it was crazy. So there was a bunch of things for both of us where it was like it just it just worked out. Yeah, and and meanwhile too, like we were both then reaffirmed because pretty quickly it was like I moved, the, yeah, within a summer, I, had, I I had a job too, and I wasn't looking for a job either. Yeah. But I got that job. And before we knew it, we were at Gigolo Nights getting in, you know, getting those six dollar pizzas from across the street with that special spice. Yeah. I still remember the way that tasted. Me too. Um Pizza Paradise. Yeah, Pizza Paradise. Stand up. We should have bought stock in that. Yeah. Um great times there. But we um we uh we both both walked away. I can't remember the anything we said particularly, but I know we both walked away like we like those guys like you and Mickey. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, those guys, we, we can work with those guys. Yeah. Um, and, and then, and then independently, I I met a, a great group of people like at UMBC yeah. that I still keep in touch with too, like a, um, pack of people. But, um, but Colin's a trip. He's still a trip. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, Colin and I have been pretty damn close. We, uh, we moved to Philadelphia together for a couple yeah. of years. The Philadelphia experiment, as it's been come to be known, mm-hmm. we both fled in terror after about two years. I lasted a little bit longer than he did, but not much. Well, how, <laughs> I, I always was curious, like why? Why? And I, I guess w- was Pam the original reason? Like she was, she was the reason that it was Philadelphia. Yeah. But at that point, Colin and I went through. Um. Well, we've gone through. We weathered multiple dual. Life crisis periods. Yeah. And there was this period where we were just stale as hell. We would, um, you know, we were perfecting the buzz, hmm. you know, on the, on the regular. But we were just, just like kind of like directionless. By this point, like, we were both um, out of college with no degree. We were kind of getting bored with this and that. And we had, we were like, we got to escape from this. We want to do something different. And y- you were living with your aunt? Yeah. I, I was trying my, to remember. Yeah, yeah. I was living with my aunt. Yeah. He was living with his parents, and uh, which were very close by. And we would use and we, you know, we would just kind of float between like every day. Yeah, we would we would rock this rhythm every day. And by that point, you know, we were working on music and stuff here and there together yeah. as well. But um, there came an opportunity. It, it, it probably just got cooked up as a crazy pipe dream. Um, where you know, yeah, I had a, I had a distance relationship with Pam i from Philadelphia there for a while. So it was like, well, let's go there. Why not? And yeah. Philadelphia, like Baltimore wasn't enough. It was the Goldilocks principle a little bit, too. It's like, you know, Philadelphia is just right because New York isn't <laughs> enough and Baltimore isn't enough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because um, yeah, New York's too much and, and uh, Baltimore isn't enough. So, you yeah, know, Philly was just right. I think now New York is not enough. <laughs> well, we were lads at the time, too. Yeah. Um, well, is it, uh, we went up there, oh, I don't even know how we, how we pulled that off. We ended up packing all our shit in a, uh, a U-Haul. Well, we, we, we went up and cased the joint. We moved into a place called Empyrean Luxury Towers, oh, yeah. and luxury is, that's lowercase. Mm. Absolutely. Um, it was a fairly respectable place, uh near Germantown we, we lived with we paid city taxes, but we weren't in the city proper. Yeah, we weren't downtown or anything in Center City as they call it um, But we uh, we stayed up there We went we moved up there with no jobs, but we didn't have jobs here But we had we both had a little bit of us We had some corporate backers and a little bit of savings and we sold some crap cobbled up a little bit of money Yeah, it, but, but with no plan. It was like it was basically we're gonna move into this apartment we got to get, we have to get jobs and be paid before the next rent is due. Yeah, which we pulled off by going to, um, you know, um, South Street, which is like if you know, if you know Philadelphia, it's like you know the tourist tra- It's like it's even worse than like Pratt Street in Baltimore. It's like oh, yeah, it's yeah. like just like a tourist trap exploit place. Yeah, so we went down there. I ended up, and it was the same day. It was one of those things where it's like, you know, this is just meant to be. Where I got a, uh, I got a job at um, Tower Records before it went under, and uh, he got a job at Johnny Rockets oh, on, yeah. on South Street. We Ooh. both. Now he, oh, he's a, he was a warrior. He's always been a little bit more social person, but it's past social what they put him through. Put, they put everybody through right? Where it's like you know, all of a sudden you got to put on this, this dance spectacles and everything. Yeah, but also we got to, we had to get that paper. Right, Period. Right. The you know lu- you know the luxury was lowercase, but it still wasn't cheap. You
0: literally, in case you guys don't know, you literally have to dance at Johnny Rockets.
1: They would like blow a whistle or something. Yeah, and um, and they had to like drop the ketchup. Right, put the pad down and like. Do this, this, this number, you know, do this little number on people, and I would be uncomfortable as a patron, let alone that, and I know, I made a blood pact with Colin, I would never go see it, and I never did, (laughs) um, and we, uh, and it was, for me, I got off a little bit easier, I went up to, uh, it was was crazy, because we both, I think we both got hired that day, Mm. Uh, and, it's you know, you'd, see, you'd think it's a place where, where not only a high turnover, but, like, a high amount of applicants. But we both, yeah. we both walked away with jobs that day. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of interesting. And working at Philadelphia was crazy. Uh, it was, like, in fact, like, if you know, in the credits to It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the very last thing you see is South Street. And on the right side, that's right. Like, the last thing you see is where my Tower Records was. Oh, wow. Um, and Tower Records actually... Um, the entire business caved in, like, two months after I left it. Wow. And, and I left it to go to um, uh, Guitar Center. Out oh, yeah, 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 I'd always... Vet, that was, like, the dark empire. Well, what was...
0: Like, at that time, what was your idea of what you were trying to do with music?
1: At the time, I'd kind of given up on... Um, a, a traditional band scenario, although I was like jamming with people kind of yeah. on the radio because I was working with all these guys. But um, I'd actually become counter inspired by Colin, who was doing all this stuff on his own. Yeah. To start looking at, okay, well, and that's something even still all these years later, I still just kind of tinker with this and Yeah, that. yeah. Because I've never been a real big writer. Right. I've been right. mostly like a, just like a performer or like, yeah. a, like you know, I, I love imp- improvisational music um be it you know jazz or like progressive rock yeah i like if a song if if a group can push a song to like 11 minutes i'm usually interested Mm. i have a very hot tolerance for uh either dissonance or inactivity
0: Mm.
1: (laughs) if if it's gonna go somewhere yeah um but yeah i love really i love really like complex stuff like that too i've never been in a band that could like um I've never been in a band where everybody was truly on the same page. Yeah. But maybe nobody ever is. (laughs) Well,
0: I think there's a a way that people can lock in. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. A lot of times the magic comes from that Venn diagram area in the middle where your tastes and abilities like overlap in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said for that.
0: I, I remember you saying one time that leaving Philly was like the reverse ticker tape parade.
1: Yes. Which I thought was a funny (laughs) (laughs) image. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, true. Well, well, both, I'm sure Colin would agree. We both left. He left uh, Philadelphia about a year before me. Yeah. And, um, and I think we would both agree that our departure slash returns were in disgrace Mm. in their own certain ways. <laughs> the um, we uh, I ended up coming back as a result of um, a breakup with Pam. Yeah, and and Colin was already gone, and I had and most of my friends had been at the Plymouth Meeting Guitar Center, and by that time I had shifted to Eighth Street downtown. So I started to get um, you know, I was drinking a whole lot mm. more than I am now. <laughs> <laughs> And it just made sense. I stubbornly was like, "Well, I'm not going back." You know, like Walter Serbcheck. It's like I'm finishing my coffee. <laughs> I was like, "And I did." I did stay it out for a while until um, I was actually kind of convinced by friends and family alike, um, including Colin, to, yeah. to just 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 come back. And I was like, "Yeah," because yeah. but by that point, I was like, "Well, and now it's something new." And I did do something, right? But yeah, it was truly like yeah, like a reverse ticker tape freight. In fact, it was like. Yeah, the ticker tape was going from the street up into the windows as I came into town. <laughs> Packed up. Uh, but I came back with an iguana and a cat that I did not have when I left. So uh, I had that going for me. Right. <laughs> I guess it was like pretty soon after
0: that when we did the bed of seeds. Yes. And all of that. Yeah. That was really one of like the happiest times of my life ever.
1: I yeah that was that that was extremely therapeutic probably for all of us and you know what and Colin even he didn't come out with us but Colin came out during it yeah even he and and, um it was uh, Emily and Mickey yeah it was yeah it was awesome yeah we were out there there was because even for me it's so I mean Deep Creek Lake it's like another hour past Frostburg so it was it was even it was alien for me too it was it was nice it was not only isolated to the point that we could work with no question because there wasn't even other people in the complex yeah. for us, but we could um just be at peace. Yeah. And I and if 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 memory serves me correctly, sometimes I can remember exactly what was up. I believe that was November of 2008. Yes. That sounds about right. Yeah. Um it was uh now I remember Emily and I had some disagreements about the merits of um this show that was on MTV that she liked. I remember that. And um, Colin had some static at one point, but other than that, it was smooth oh, yeah, sailing. Yeah.
0: yeah. It was like, <laughs> it's weird. It's like, you it, know. the a lake, it was amazing. Yeah. I I was just talking about, with uh, Matt Pless, when he was on here, about just like touring. Like, when you go on tour, your life becomes incredibly simple. mm it's just like, make sure the car is okay. Get to the show. Play the show. Go to sleep. The car is okay.
1: You know. And car. and your your sphere is no bigger than like what's in your pockets and what's gonna yeah. fit in the car.
0: Yeah. And it, I feel like it's really rare with like working on an album to get that chance. You know, mm-hmm. where it's like you wake up and the only thing there is, is to work on the album.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was extremely focusing. Yeah. We um, and of course it was like you know we we get along. Yeah, if, if the all of us, it was it was brilliant in that respect. In the in the layout too, I can I can picture it all now. The way yeah. the uh, studio was upstairs, we had a completely lovely like living room thing there. We had a coffee machine. We had everything. Yeah, it was us? Awesome. Um, how how did you get hooked up with that place anyway? <laughs> well, that was I'm sure I knew then, but I don't remember now. It was um
0: normative records, which uh uh destroyed itself like immediately afterwards but it was this guy uh Jake Lodwick who he, he's like he he like i want to say he created Tumblr maybe <laughs> and definitely created Vimeo oh no shit and like like all all shit like that and like has continually done big things. And it was kind of like he had this record label and I don't think he would mind me saying this. There was no like knowledge of like the music business. Or it's anything. a first endeavor. Yeah, like the, the one thing that he had was like paper to the ceiling, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it was like he funded all these awesome albums and then sort of had no idea what to do with them you know so it was like like it never came out on his
1: whatever where was the cabin though did did you choose that
0: yeah he was like that was his big thing is like it was like you tell me like how the
1: album should get made and
0: it's just always something i had wanted to do you know
1: we did have paper to the ceiling yeah we were you know we were wasn't too it wasn't like champagne and limos and cigars but it was definitely like we got this meal yeah. And these, these pizza. And, and we also had, it was like, um, we had plenty of those, uh, it was like the first season of an early season of the real world where everything was all good. <laughs> We're all good. You know, there was like, um, you know, uh, just shy of, you know, pillow fights yeah. and all this. And, and again, I can't stress enough. We had a coffee machine. So, so we didn't have any trouble. Yeah. Everything was straight. And, um, those of us who, who, um, Smoke cigarettes could go out on the deck. Yeah. Maybe I was the only one smoking cigarettes. I don't really smoke, but I think I know I was smoking cigarettes out on that deck. Probably because again, we had paper to the ceiling and I'll smoke. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good times. I would definitely, um, definitely consider going back out there again. Yeah. It's, I, I think it should go down. That, yeah. I think that translated well into the end of the music itself too. Yeah, totally. We, um, I mean, hell, we had a whole room, that whole, like, sub-bedroom. I think it's the room that Emily slept in, mostly. It was a great little, like, guitar and vocal booth. Yeah. Then Colin and I slept in funk beds downstairs. <laughs> yeah, you know, one of the things that was amazing about that, we, we actually got paid for that yeah. up front. Yeah. Um, Except for Colin. I'm sorry. I don't think we paid him, because I don't think he was officially part of the system.
0: Yeah, well, but he, he did, kind of...
1: Did he, did he lay down any tracks on yeah,
0: that? Yeah, he... he, he... I remember he played saxophone. Yes! And it was like...
1: Yes, I remember that
0: now. And it was like... And that song... You know, I was thinking about it because that song is back in my set now. I remember him playing it and it was like real, real out of tune and real rusty sounding. And like you... just laughing so hard. (laughs) And we couldn't get you to stop laughing. And it was like... It was just like no, no, we got it, we got it. And Mickey was like fucking with the pitch and everything, and it eventually sounded, I thought, real tight, you know.
1: Yeah, he probably hadn't blown into that sax in years. Yeah, he's yeah. probably using a reed from like the the Clinton era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he, I remember he
0: walked in, because he he can't he like went later or something, and he like walked in with the saxophone. And, he, and the first thing he said, he was like. I'm not saying it has to go down. <laughs> yeah, that I'm was brilliant. I'm saying it can't go
1: down. <laughs> I, I was, I was, ha- I was pleased as hell that he brought that. Yeah. I do remember bu- breaking out when the first like bleat came out of it. Yeah,
0: but that, it makes it sound so much, so cool, you know. Oh yeah, the way it ultimately. Yeah, sounds. it was,
1: it was, it was brilliant there. Yeah. Um, I, I was,
0: uh, thinking about your first tour experience was. A mini tour, which Gavin has since named uh, the Zero Dollars Tour. <laughs>
1: you get the which, T-shirts printed. <laughs> yeah.
0: which I think was like the most brutal succession of succession of shows ever. Which, this, which was
1: this was like the first date in Wilmington. Yeah, at that yeah yeah with um. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember that. I don't remember where we went after that, but yeah, it was definitely a zero dollars situation.
0: Yeah, that, like <laughs> I'm right that that was your first time. I'm
1: quite certain it was. Yeah, yeah. like that. That was crazy. We like, had done things locally before, but I think I think with my first out of out of state session with heightened friends was was yeah, it was in Wilmington. Yeah. Because it wasn't the same time. I remember we went to Tennessee, but I don't think that's the same trip. I might say it was.
0: No, you're totally right. The Wham
1: City Round Robin. At yeah, it was a Round Robin. Big Years Festival in Knoxville. That was a, that was a cool one. I never actually never dropped anchor in Tennessee yeah. before, prior to that. It reminded me very much of Cumberland yeah. in a lot of respects. The, um, what was it? Uh, one, of the, one of the places I remember most fondly although no i looked at it fondly at the time too was shit i can't remember exa- you'll you'll know exactly exactly what i'm talking about as soon as i say it but it was the place where like we get there it's a house right mm-hmm. and we get there and it's like oh by the way you got to move these sp- there's a giant pit <laughs> There was <laughs> like there's no reason for it but just in, just outside of the door is yeah. a huge pit that you're gonna need to like move your gear th- over yeah and then when we walked in it was like ham and eggs they gave us literally like like, literally it was like you guys like some ham and eggs yeah they had all
0: kinds of food it was
1: was like we loaded into the kitchen right and that was a tight room yeah but it was cool
0: yeah I'll, i'll tell you this much the the main man of that room is definitely listening to the podcast
1: nice big ups aaron brookshire stand up Oh yeah, and again, yeah. That was that was the 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 food took the edge right off the pit. Yeah, and we didn't lose we didn't lose any ankles or cables or or, or corners of the pit. Um, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the zero dollars tour because those were the times where I really started to know and bond with uh, Gavin too. Yeah, and one of my I remember him um, was uh, was in a. Charleston, Charleston, South Carolina. We oh, were like yeah. behind a pizza shop in a parking yeah. lot, kind of.
0: Yeah. That and that was um, an awesome
1: show. I feel like, yeah, that was a, that was a good time. Yeah. And we, yeah, because I, I, I now I remember too. Yeah, we stayed at like a local house. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Tay's house, I
1: think. Yes. Maybe, was that the same one? There was, there was a couple of like little mini tours clustered up together. But those were also, you know, very therapeutic for me at the time, too. Yeah. To, to, get the hell out of L.A. for at least a couple of hours. <laughs> um, that was, yeah, that was good times. And it's, it's, it's a testament when you can spend not only, you know, a bunch of hours, a bunch of hours in the car with somebody, like in this case, like you, Emily, and Gavin. Yeah. Spent a lot of hours in the car. Uh, not just that, but a car full of shit. Yeah. So I remember like sitting in the back seat with Emily, but there's like... So much gear between us in the back that like we're basically in like compartments like like separate compartments yeah. in the back um, You guys having all kinds of shit under your feet and then stuff there But every <laughs> yeah. every little thing like you were saying kind of alluding to earlier becomes a thing like we got like getting gas Eating yeah, everything becomes a, a an adventure Which could result in? Tragedy or triumph. Yeah many a Waffle House
0: But well, man i I feel like should probably call it a night we've been rolling, I think it's like midnight,
1: nice yeah, it's but, definitely been real. I'd <laughs> definitely do this again oh yeah if if um do. you know if you're like, here we'll look at it this way. if people hate this show, um, maybe I'll ask you to come back on. if people loved it, I'll want money, <laughs> cool, cool, that's a deal. Cool.
0: <laughs> And there it is. Thanks for coming on, man.
1: Yeah, no problem at all. (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right. Thank you so much to Travis. We'll see you next week.